This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Morning, everyone, and welcome to the show. Please let me know if you can hear us, because this is the first time I've actually done a live, a live radio show, and I'm really delighted to have Stefano Palumbo here with me this morning. Delighted to be here, Jane. Thanks. Um, it's really strange. I, I thought we would have the. Te- I usually have the technical adrenaline of making sure I have my guest in in the pod bin, and I didn't have to have that stress this morning. <laughs> Instead, I have you sitting here right next to me, Stefano. You are a teacher, a solopreneur, mm-hmm. and now moved into into being a life coach. Yeah. Um, I know quite a lot about you because I've watched you uh, throughout your career, but um, it would be really, really wonderful if you could just tell our listeners a little bit about your journey. Um, you've, you've lived in 10 countries. Yes, um, that's right. It sounds a lot when you, when you actually say it out loud, Jane. Uh, it doesn't feel like it at the time, to be honest. Um, yeah, so just the very nature of, of my life and my family is a very international family. Um, just basically led me on a path to a path of travel, essentially, uh, and living in different countries from Australia to South America, um, essentially. So it's been a, a fun journey so far. Unbelievable. And you speak five languages. I do, yes. Can um, you tell me which languages they are? <laughs> uh, well, they're um, Italian. By birth, Italian, Spanish, French, having lived in France for a few years, Neapolitan. <laughs> An official language, Absolutely. definitely. Absolutely. Um, doing okay with English as well, I hope. And actually, I've just started learning Portuguese as well. Wonderful. So just recently. Yeah, I think you set yourself a goal to learn it in a month. Um, could you tell me how you plan to do that? <laughs> well, to learn as much as I can okay. in a month, yes. Uh, so, yeah, a bit of a, a challenge and see. You know, I put together the best strategies that I found for teaching and learning over the years. And so I'm putting those to the test on myself to really see how much I can learn of a completely new language mm. uh, in 30 days. Tell us a little bit about your, your teaching journey. Mm. How did you become a teacher? <laughs> oh, great question. Um, well, I had just come back from New York and I wasn't able to get a visa there at the time. So I didn't really have anywhere to go. And I ended up in Naples, in Italy, where, my, where part of my family lives. And having spent a year helping my family business, it proved rather challenging. And so um, I was looking for other opportunities. And it was actually my, my mother who suggested, you speak English, you're living abroad, why not teach English? And so I actually went to a school, um, and I'll tell you a little secret, Jane. It was actually, I actually went there to get information as a student in Italian and pretended that I was interested in an English course. So not many people know that. <laughs> and I got chatting with one of the consultants, and um, I, I eventually told her the truth. I said, look, I'm really sorry, but I'm actually English. Uh, I just wanted to understand how your school worked. I'm just wondering if you've got any jobs going. And she said, you know what? The director's in his office. Let me go and have a chat with him. And that was my introduction into the world of ESL, wow. essentially. 
Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to tell us where. And then <laughs> I think a, a little bit later down the track, we met. Um, we did. Oh, do you want me to tell it? Please. I mean, Stefano was my, my student on the CELTA and he was a very, very exceptional student. And from that, um, you can continue to tell the story. <laughs> yeah, that was um, that was a key moment, I think, in both well, both my career and, and my life, I think. Um, having the privilege of learning from incredible tutors and trainers such as yourself and many others that, that you know um, really provided... I'll pay you later, don't a, <laughs> No, no. You know, the real truth of it, that cell test served me so much uh, throughout my life, not just in ESL. Um, so if there is anyone considering that, um, I would highly recommend it because mm. it's an incredible training course. Mm. Um, and yeah, and that was really the beginning of, of my teaching career. Yep. And then you worked with us at British Council. Yeah. And then... In the council for, four, I think it was about four and a half years, mm -hmm. um, based here in Naples, um, also in Jordan. We did a summer school in Jordan for three months, which was an incredible experience as well. And I had applied to work in China as well on the way back from Australia, but um, due to, again, visa reasons, that didn't, that didn't quite work out in the end. But. Well, that's a, that's a good thing for you because um, you now, you went from, from working as a teacher to, to building a com community for teachers. Yes. Tell us a little bit about what prompted you to, to, to found this community. Yeah, it's, um, well, another secret. <laughs> it was completely unplanned and spontaneous. <laughs> um, I could tell you I wrote a hundred page business plan and mapped it all out, but that wouldn't be the truth. Um, you know, while living in Naples back then, Naples wasn't as cosmopolitan as perhaps it is a bit more today. And so I was simply looking for people to connect with, uh, to make friends, uh, meet interesting people with different stories. And I just simply decided to invite some friends to have a drink. It sounds very simple, very basic. Um, but at the time, this is when I first started teaching as well and realized that a lot of the students were thirsty for speaking and there wasn't enough speaking practice and engagement in the classroom. And so I started inviting them as well. And one thing led to another, we started organizing sort of themed nights and themed nights became events and, and it just grew from there. And we started involving people from different backgrounds, um, Erasmus students, um, NATO personnel, uh, travelers, and bringing them together with the locals, um, all through English language. And it was just absolute magic because there was no hidden agenda there. Um, it was just completely genuine and authentic and people felt that. And that's what grew this community. Wow. And it's continued to grow. Yes. <laughs> yes. And yes. so you then switched from, from teaching in schools to running your own online courses and how, 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 I mean, this is obviously moving on to, to your, the theme for today, mm. but we'll talk about that after the news. Um, what did you, um, what, what made you move to teaching online, basically? <laughs> How did that happen? Yeah. Where did it happen? Great question. 
um, well, looking back, I, I ended up, I spent some time in South America, mm-hmm. uh, namely in Venezuela and in Cuba. And from there with my fiance, we actually traveled to Australia and we spent a year in Australia where mm-hmm. more of my family live. Your mum. <laughs> yes, indeed. And, you know, obviously as this was happening, um, my family, my fiance's family spread out all across the world, just made it incredibly difficult to stay in any one place for a long period of time. And that's where the first ideas were sort of started to, to grow of, of having to live and work online essentially, mm. um, and how to make that happen. This was back in 2014. Um, and I'd already heard of, um, the concept of digital nomads and, uh, teachers in, in Asia traveling around while, while working, but I, it never felt real. It never felt reachable or, or sustainable. Um, but upon leaving Australia, again, for visa reasons, <laughs> uh, we returned to Italy. He hasn't done anything wrong. No. It's just bureaucracy. <laughs> exactly. Thanks for clarifying <laughs> that. Listeners are probably a bit worried. Um, upon returning to Italy, it was there that we really started to build this sort of foundation of transitioning, teaching, working online, slowly, virtually. And it took about two years to actually achieve. Wow. Um, I just sent hello to, to Felicida. Hello. <laughs> How are you? She's entered the live studio. Do you want to join us and say hello? We tried that. I invite you to speak and see how it goes. She might come and let's see if you what she has to say. You there? Nope. If you have any questions for Stefano, please do put them in the chat and I'm sure he'd be really, really happy to answer them. So moving on, times have obviously changed and we've got the technology to live and teach. Oh, Felicity, hello. You there? I can't quite, I can see you're a speaker, but I can't see you. Do you want to try something? I'll try and invite you again. No. Okay. I'm really sorry. It's not working for me this morning. Um, what you could try and do is turn off your phone and turn it back on. Sometimes that works. Have you had your phone on for a long time? If you're like me and you're one of those people who never turns their phones off, that's <laughs> that's when um, the app doesn't work. It's stuck. It gets stuck. It, it blocks. She's saying hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> hello, Felicia. I'm quite... I'm quite curious. How do you do know each other? <laughs> yeah, we, so my fiance Michelle, she was working, she was teaching um, at a school in Melfi in the south of Italy. And I, actually, I can't remember if her and Felicia met there or they did the CELTA together. I, I can't quite remember. No, no, they, they met there. They were colleagues, that's right, in Melfi. Wow. So, yes. It's a very, very small world. It is. Yeah, but worth, Okay, and they did the Celts together. Oh, you and just they did stand, the Celts. Oh, you there stand we go. Corrected. There we go. <laughs> so there you go. Wonderful. Yep. No, I know. I know her through exams. Okay. She's one of my examiners. Wonderful. Yeah, seen her for a while. I'm getting off track. <laughs> um, moving on to to two. Well, obviously, things have changed, and it's now much easier to to teach online. Mm. Tell us a little bit about 
how you manage that? Hmm. At the beginning, mm -hmm. um, I think like many things that I try that are new, I just try to keep them simple, as simple as possible. Um, so at that time, lessons via Skype were fairly normal, mm. let's say, um, and the technology is fairly simple. Um, however, students were finding it challenging, um, setting up microphones, um, cameras, external cameras, things like that are all quite built in nowadays. You don't really have to worry about it too much. Um, so it was just a gradual process, to be honest. Um, and actually, there were many students who were way more advanced than I was at the time. So I also learned from them and <laughs> what worked and what didn't. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it was just a, a gradual process and also one of building trust with students and users who weren't familiar with the technology and who felt that they needed to be with you, in front of you, to be able to learn effectively. Mm -hmm. And so that, that really did take some time. And obviously now, due to the pandemic, a lot of people didn't have a choice. Um, and so they were forced to sort of open up to this possibility. And what's really been interesting to see is that I would not everybody, but I would say a good 80 to 85% of people have decided to continue with their online learning. I was going to say that. Yeah. Um, I, I can see there is a real, um, there's a real scarcity of, of teachers that, that do actually want to go back into the classroom full time. Mm. Um, they like maybe have a few hours you know, in a school so that they have access to training or resources. Yes. Um, but then they seem to be much happier yeah. <laughs> teaching online. I mean, I, I kind of, I, I don't have to commute very far. I just walk up the road to my uni. <laughs> um, and I like that because I go in, I see the students, I um, have a coffee with my colleagues. And so I, I really enjoy that. But I don't teach a lot of hours. So... Mm. It's, it's easy to manage and my online, the other online stuff that I've been doing is more sort of teacher training and webinars and I, and I really, mm. I really prefer to have time for that rather than, than going to a language school to Absolutely. learn how to, um, it, it helps get, help to get better, better balance. Yeah. And yeah. as we were talking before the show, it, it also enables you to have space to do different projects mm -hmm. so I don't get don't get bored yeah I try I mean I've always in my, in my life I've always tried to do a different thing every year mm. something new little book or yeah. um, um, a training I don't train myself up to do something else um, so I, I have always done that but I now have a little bit more time mm. for that you've never been one to sit still for too long anyway, no but... <laughs> no not at all but um, yeah it's good to be able to have that choice it, it's a little bit more liberating than being um, in a kind of full-time job. Yeah. Well, I've been at both extremes, to be honest. Because mm. at, at first, when I first started ex exploring this teaching online, it was, wow, this is a game changer. This is incredible. I'm never leaving my living room ever again or getting out of my pajamas. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. But, um, you know, at the beginning, it was literally I, I could teach 10 hours in one day, back to back without a break and that's literally and you did that I did that yeah that must, been, that must have been exhausting it it was exhausting but I would do that perhaps two days a week oh. and then create my flexibility 
on the other two, three days mm-hmm. a week. And I think it's, again, it's a bit of a process, you, a trial and error, seeing what works for you, what doesn't work for you. And, and now it's sort of the, the opposite, I think, for me. It's I want to be out of the house, like you said, having a place to go, a place to connect with mm-hmm. colleagues, other people, a place where you can find resources and um, having a space where you can just create and think uh, that's outside of your home. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that having everything together in one space just becomes too much and then becomes counterproductive. Mm. So, Goodness me, time's moving on. Um, <laughs> I'm going to ask you about, um, about your coaching and I mean, you, you've, you've been teaching and now you've decided to make a shift into coaching. What mm. prompted that? Um, well, I've always, my, my my parents separated when I was very young, hence why I was born in Italy and, and raised in the UK. And I've always, throughout my whole life, sort of searched for a mentor, somebody to learn from, somebody who could guide me, teach me. And so I, I guess I've always tried to take a little bit of that from the people I meet, like yourself. <laughs> and... I think it was about two, three years ago now, I really needed some support primarily uh, for my business, for my work, to help me grow uh, and develop professionally. And so while I was doing this research and meeting um, business coaches and mentors, I started to realize that a lot of the skill sets that they had and that they brought to the table, I, I recognized them in myself. And I recognize them from, from my teaching, um, from, from leadership that I've developed over the years. And I thought, wow, this is something that I could do. And then the more I thought about it, the more I realized that how much satisfaction that would give me to be able to help others. And essentially, that's what I've been doing all along without ever really realizing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is quite common for teachers to, to transition into mm. coaching and you're definitely right about the skills, mm. um, but it is quite a big leap. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I don't I think I, I also like teaching, and I, I mean I'm, I'm quite happy that I don't teach a lot of hours, but I, I, I miss that interaction. Mm. That's that's what I do, and then all the other things like the teacher training and the writing that all comes after it, but. It, it wouldn't happen if I didn't teach, mm. if that makes sense. Absolutely. Because, um, yeah, um, it's a very, very brave choice. I'm going to pause you there. We're going to go to the news and then we're going to come back. Um, so please stay with us. Uh, we'll be back in just a bit. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. 
a world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development, every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. SteveWoods.co.uk for educational support in IT and computer science. Coming up, I'm delivering a number of courses. Learn to program in Python is a free one-hour course designed to start you on your way into Python coding. Everything works in a browser, so there's nothing to install beforehand. Join me remotely to learn the basics on Wednesday the 8th of June, 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Visit SteveWoods.co.uk to start your journey. Are you a state school teacher in England? Why not be a hero this half-term and join me for two days and receive up to 1,360 pounds in bursary terms and conditions apply find out more at stevewoods.co.uk here at Witherslack Group, we are celebrating the launch of our new Luxborough Court School in Chickwell, Essex, with a very special one-day autism conference titled Enabling Inspirational Education. Taking place on Wednesday the 29th of June from 10am at Luxborough Court School, our event is dedicated to providing practical advice to education professionals working with neurodiverse children and young people. The event is free to attend and presentations on the day will focus on creating cultures of aspiration and excellence, supporting the emotional well-being of pupils, autism-friendly classrooms and managing challenging behaviour. So, whether you're looking to add to your extensive understanding or are new to SEN and wanting to build your knowledge, our conference will offer an amazing opportunity to engage with experts and network with colleagues from across the sector. Don't miss your chance to claim your free ticket and we hope you can join us for what's sure to be a fantastic day. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash events to register or contact events at withaslackgroup.co.uk for more information. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In Northern Ireland, funding for the Engage programme, a scheme that employs teachers to help children's learning recover after the pandemic, is still not in place for the next school year. The Education Minister sent a letter to schools after the term ended. The National Association of Head Teachers said the timing of the Department of Education's communication had caused great offence. The Engage programme was introduced in September 2020 and schools received between £3,600 and £50,000 depending on their size and how many pupils they had who were eligible for free school meals. Schools were given money to employ teachers or substitute teachers to provide extra help to pupils whose learning had been affected most by the pandemic and restrictions. In her letter to school principals, Education Minister Michelle McElveen said, I have issued a direction to my officials to continue the programme until the end of December 2022, in the first instance. However, this direction remains subject to the approval of the Department of Finance.
I fully understand the importance of urgent notification on this issue and can assure you that I will provide clarity on budget allocations as soon as I receive confirmation from the Finance Minister. The NAHT said that the uncertainty over the scheme was very worrying for schools. Caterers have told BBC News that as a result of rising food prices, beef will be removed from some school dinner menus along with other staples such as potatoes. LACA, the School Caterers Association for England and Wales, said that the quality of meals was under threat. Brad Pearce, National Vice Chairman of LACA, said the long-term impact of Covid, the war in Ukraine and rising fuel costs were all having an effect on what his members could put on school plates. He said the costs that are coming forward make it impossible for us to continue unless some difficult choices are made. LACA members provide 80% of the school catering service in England and Wales. Assist FM, the body representing Scottish caterers, says its members are experiencing similar concerns. In response to the concerns, the government said it had expanded access to free school meals and would continue to keep eligibility under review and work across government to address rising costs, building on the over £37 billion announced to help the most vulnerable. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to support a question everyone will see at the start of next year. It goes something like this. Hi Edu Twitter, can you reply with where you are so I can show my class how far a post on the internet can reach? With a bit of free tech, you can make this much more visual. I'm going to use Google Maps because it's free and most likely you'll have used Google Maps at some point in the past. So, when you have all your responses, sign into Google Go to Maps and click on the menu next to the search box. That's the three lines that look like a burger. From the menu, select My Places. You'll now have four options. Lists, Labeled, Visited and Maps. Click on Maps and at the bottom select Create Map. Now you can give the map a title so you can find it next year for comparison and add all the places from your Twitter replies. Simply type the name of the place. When it appears with a blue point marker, you can click the plus sign to add it to the map and then select the colour to help it stand out. When you've finished, all places will be saved and you can access the map by following the first few steps. Menu, My Places, Maps. There are loads of other great tools to use also. Measure the distance from your school to those places. Hit preview and go into the view only mode. Here you can select the place and you're treated to a short bio and an image of the area. So next time you're looking to bring a lesson to life, why not try using maps to help pupils see where places are in the world? Do you have any top tips for mapping? Why not get in touch at TT Radio 2022? Follow us and tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. And we're back with Stefano Palumbo. <laughs> Steph. Okay, we were talking about 
your move into coaching. Mm-hmm. What, who are your, who do you coach? So at the moment I'm focused on people who live overseas in another country and essentially people who want to either open or build an existing business that they have, which is usually online, mm-hmm. um, and really help them well navigate not just professional challenges, but also all the many personal challenges that come with living life in another country. You help them get visas. I don't. I'm still working <laughs> on that one for myself. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. So there are many challenges like that. And I've been through many of them myself, and, and that's what I'm sort of passionate about, helping others overcome as well. That's what you said. You're helping them to find home, yeah. which is quite... I mean, how, what would you, how would you define home? Yeah. I mean, for you, where is home? Wow, what a great question. How much time do we have? Well, um, we've, got, we've got a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... I, I spent my entire life searching for home somewhere out there somewhere around the world um, and I always thought it was this idyllic location um, and that's probably why I lived in so many different countries and visited many many more but it got to the point having worked with my own coach my own mentor realizing that my definition of home at least was inside some people say home is where the heart is mm-hmm. um, but really, for me, it was about finding out who I am, what I am, what I love to do, and how I want to spend my time and energy, essentially. And where, where do you actually live now? <laughs> <laughs> what a difficult question. <laughs> well, I've been based in Tenerife for the last five years. That's probably the, the longest you've stayed that, anywhere, isn't it? That is, that is the longest for a while, yes. Mm. Yeah. And are you planning to stay there? We, oh, that's a very difficult question to answer. (laughs) For the, let's say, short to middle term, yes, yes. But it's very possible that we could relocate. My goodness. We'll have have to watch. I have to be careful with what I say. Moving around the world. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So what kind of things do you do to help people find their homes? What kind of conversations take place? Yeah. That, um... Well, you know, it's it's a personal journey. Um, I don't want to sound cheesy, but it, it it is. It's personal to each and every one of us. We all have different needs and desires, essentially. Um, it also is different if you're alone or, or with a partner mm. or if you have a family, family. right? So it's, it's different for each and every one of us. And... The way that we work together is a journey in itself. Uh, it's a journey of discovery. Before we can start immediately changing things, you have to really understand what it is that you want, what it is that you need to change or would like to change, and start to create a direction and uh, an awareness of, of where you want to go and how you want to live your life, essentially. So there's a lot of conversations, um, explorations, really, about understanding yourself, what your what your why is, and and what you need. Um, sort of work around healing and forgiveness as well. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. Do you think that's what prompts many people to become digital nomads? Because they're they're 
that either they're trying to find something or they're running away from something. Absolutely, yeah. And, that, and that's one of the first questions that I ask um, a digital nomad, for example, because, you know, a lot of younger digital nomads perhaps just want the travel experience. They just want to get world experience and that's absolutely fine. Um, it's not everybody's case that they're running away from something or uh, they've had some trauma. You know, that's not the case. Um, but it is important to understand because many of us don't realize why we're constantly moving or on the go. Yeah. Um, and so that's really one of the, the main starting points. Yeah. Do you think, um, because you are, you are bilingual, I mean, and you have kind of, you have two, like, you've got your, your English, Stefano, and you've also got your Italian yeah. or your Neapolitan, which is, um, <laughs> And you, I mean, as a sort of bilingual person, I sometimes feel like I have two identities. So, I mean, you have five with all your different <laughs> languages. It actually does, <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. It, it so really do you have does. a completely different identity in Spanish? <laughs> I do, I do actually, yeah. I was going to mention that uh, later on at some point because it's, I think that was one of the main factors for me. You know, growing up in the UK, I would go to Naples and visit my, my father, my family, and I always wanted to be in Naples because it was the complete opposite of the UK in every way imaginable. Right. And so I always had this sensation that I didn't belong in the UK. And then eventually, years later, when I made that move and started living in Italy, then I realized, well, hang on a second, perhaps there's another side to me here that I wasn't allowing to sort of grow and develop there. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's been a theme throughout my life, to be honest. And so, yes, living in South America as well, um, developed other personalities there as well. Yeah. <laughs> what advice would you um, would you give to someone wanting to to pursue a digital nomad lifestyle? Um, I think it's having clear exactly what 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 it is that's important to you. I mean, is it flexibility? Is it time? Is it travel? Is it is it money? Is it family? So really understanding what is most important to you um, because you can travel. You don't need to be a digital nomad in order to, to travel. Um, digital nomad sound has become a bit of a trend uh, these days, um, but actually it's, it's actually a lot more difficult than it looks. I think, yeah, I mean, I, I know that um, I, I can see a lot of, certain lot of teaching organizations are kind of selling mm -hmm. in the, a career or a profession in teaching um, as a kind of, you know, you can go here, there and everywhere. Um, and perhaps doesn't really focus on what you actually have to do to mm -hmm. get there. Um, Absolutely. And it's, it's different if you, for example, I mean, for many years, ESL teachers have used teacher, teaching as a medium to travel the world, mm -hmm. right? And that's one way of doing it. Being employed by an institute or organization, you have that, quote, security. Mm. As a digital nomad, the majority are building their own businesses or doing digital work that's either freelance or based on other businesses. And that can be quite high risk, um, having a, less of an attachment to the company or having an uncertain income. What happens when that runs out or what happens when you lose that job and you need to find something else and you're in the middle of Africa? Um, so, that, you know, I think having a clear idea of, of what you want to do, where you want to go, um, 
at least for the short term, I think that's really important. And also, in in the in the future, I mean, I I I, I never expect. I thought that I would sort of start in Naples. I was undecided as to whether or not I would, I would go to Hong Kong. Mm. I took a year to decide where I wanted to be, and I'd almost lined up a job in Hong Kong, and then I met Massimo, and obviously that things changed for mm -hmm. me. But initially, I loved the idea of you know working for the British Council and living in in different countries. Mm -hmm. um, that kind of security, I think, has also um, has also disappeared a little bit because there seems to be more of a tendency to employ yeah. with local contracts and local conditions. Yes. So, yeah. Um, international schools are probably the the best bet for that, I think. If yeah. You, yeah, there's been a huge uh, shift and growth in the freelance market mm. and you know, companies and, and now schools, institutes are jumping on that bandwagon um, because it's also in their interest and it sounds appealing to that type of, of traveler, mm. let's say. Um, so, but it, while it, while there are a lot of advantages to that, there are also a lot of challenges as well mm. uh, on both sides, I think. What do you think would be the most significant challenges? I believe the uncertainty. You know, for some people, that's really exciting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and for others, that can be absolutely terrifying and paralyzing. So, you know, finding that happy medium, I think, uh, enough excitement to to get you into action um, and not too much uncertainty that, that so, stops you from moving. So I can relate to that. Um, I mean, I'd I like to have a balance <laughs> of a little bit of security and the ability to, because a lot of work I do is freelance um, and I really enjoy it, but I, I don't think I could do that as, as happily as I do it. Yeah. Yeah. It really depends on your personal situation. Right. Yeah. I remember when I was 21, 22, freelancing was fantastic. You know, it, it wasn't a risk for me. And even if I did have to um, change job or find another, um, find other work, I was able to do that yeah. and fearless. Now, 15, 16 years later, I do think twice because my situation has changed. Uh, and so it's, I think it's, knowing where you are at what stage you're at um, can help you make those decisions. Exactly, yeah. So, um, who are the people who inspire and influence you? Oh, wow, what a question. Um, hmm. Wow, there's, there are so many. I mean, I've been very fortunate to work with some really remarkable people in different fields. And so, as I mentioned before, I, I tried to take the best from different people and um, what resonates with me and, and at that time and for whatever I'm focused on at that mo in that moment. Um, I think a lot of my close family as well, namely my, my grandfather, he's been a real inspiration for me yeah. throughout my entire life and we'll be celebrating his 90th this summer. Um, so we'll be back in the UK in the summer to see him. And he, he's been a real inspiration. Um, I think he was really the person who helped me to open up, open up my mind and really see things from a different perspective. Um, and now looking back, 
he was my coach <laughs> without me realizing it. Mm. He would always challenge my perspective, my thoughts, whether I was right or wrong, that was irrelevant. He would just always challenge me to see the other side of things. And I do owe him a lot, I, I feel. Well, yeah. And do you think that you, you, when you coach, you use a lot of his strategies? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. That's one of the biggest things, you know, as, as a coach and similar to a teacher, we're not there to provide the answers. I mean, I'm working with people who have got very successful businesses that I can never do. I don't have that knowledge about that subject, but my job is not to give them the answers. It's just to facilitate and help them find their own solutions. So similar to, to teaching. Definitely. Work that's done by others that's most inspired you. Wow. I mean, working in the coaching field, uh, I'm fortunately surrounded by people creating incredible projects. Um, there's been some from, I mean, from colleagues who have created schools in Africa to the latest um, shipping resources and supplies to Ukrainian refugees. It, it's really endless. Um, and there are sort of two sides to that coin because on the one hand, it's really motivating, inspiring. And on the other hand, it makes you look inwards and realize, what am I doing? How am I contributing? So, you know, motivation could be tricky there. And it's important to, again, um, not be too attached. What advice would you give yourself if you're thinking like that? Great coaching question. <laughs> I like that, Jane. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I call it the Instagram effect. You know, when, you, when you're on social media and you see all these amazing things that everybody else is doing, and you compare yourself um, to, to basically detach from that and try not to compare yourself, but rather applaud, congratulate the other people, but genuinely. Mm. Um, and that can be really difficult. That can be really Some difficult. Some people don't seem to do that well. Others are, are very good at it. Yeah, it's yeah. an interesting... And it's, it's a skill that can be learned in a, in a way, um, because I think as human beings, we're naturally selfish, right? In order to survive, in order to thrive. And so I've, I know myself, I've done a lot of work on that. And, and even to this day, mm. it can be difficult. You feel, you see somebody who's ultra successful in, in your field or area or doing something you want to do. And then it makes you feel, oh, I'm not doing enough or I'm not good enough. Um, but they're just thoughts yeah. and you can just let them pass and then get back and focus on what, what you're doing. Great. No, I think it's also important to help rather than hinder. Absolutely. And there's, there's a lot of people out there that need help. Even successful <laughs> people. And actually, yeah. the more successful you become, the more help you actually need. The less it seems that way, mm. but the more help you do need. Definitely. So, um, what do you hope to accomplish in the next year or so? What are your plans for the future? That's a very big question. Um, <laughs> well, I, you know, I used to think about the, the future a lot and that would cause me a lot of frustration because I'm very impatient. Mm. And so I've learned to really to slow down. Um, one of my mentors and coaches taught us to slow down, to speed up. You know, imagine a Formula One car mm -hmm. that takes the corners. They slow down to come out even quicker through the corner. And that really helps me. That really helps me stay grounded. 
um, and to focus on what's important to me right now. So I've got a couple of projects in mind, um, building a new community for not just digital nomads, but even corporate leaders who are living overseas or based abroad. So I'd like to create a community to support them. Mm -hmm. And I'm also doing a research project as well for a potential book. Um, again, to learn and understand the challenges that we're going through mm. uh, and how we can help each other um, a lot more. Because it's, I think there's now over 70 million people are displaced and that's not through choice. Mm. So the digital nomad lifestyle is a choice usually. And that's a positive choice usually. But there are a lot of people there in the world who don't have a choice, who are yeah. being forced to relocate. So how can we help them? Mm. That sounds like a pretty good um, bit of research. And <laughs> I look forward to hearing what you what you learn from it. Um, that sounds incredible. Um, tell us something fun about you that people don't know. Oh, you put me on the spot here. <laughs> um, something fun. Um... Oh, here you go. Lizzie said, good, that's a good point, Stefano. I should follow this suggestion. Slow down to speed up. Yeah, that's a yeah. great one. There yeah. you go. Especially in today's society where everything is... Everything's so fast. It's it? incredible. I, you know, I just came back from London and I haven't been to London for about 10 years and it's just mind-blowing, the speed that, you know, everybody's um, living at. It's mm. incredible. So, yeah, that's, uh, I'm glad Felicia's taken that on. Yeah. Go out and pick some grapes. <laughs> well, she's a enjoy perfect the, example. Enjoy the countryside. Yeah, yeah. she's a perfect example <laughs> of living that slow life. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. She's not one to sit still either, from what I remember. No, she's not. She's got a lot of drive. Yeah. Um, so going back to your question, something fun? Mm -hmm. Oh, goodness me. Um, I can roll my tongue into uh, a flower? No. Yeah. Oh, I'm not going to ask you to do that, but no. <laughs> yeah, go on. Not many people know that. How did you like get to that? Oh, goodness. <laughs> I have no idea. Probably one of those party challenges, I imagine. I didn't even know that you could do that. <laughs> and Leo says, can you, can you tell my son who's 12? He said, can you get can you get your tongue to touch your nose? And I'm like, no, I can't. And you, so it shows me he can do it. I'm like, wow, that's interesting. Um, this is the advantage of being live together in, in the studio. You can actually yeah. check it out. Favorite quote? Goodness me, there's so many. Um, I'm not one of those. I'm not a big fan of posting these motivational quotes mm -hmm. like like many people do. Mm -hmm. uh, that's just my personal um, preference, but. Favorite quotes. Um, my grandfather comes to mind again, and he always told me whenever I was feeling anxious or, or worried about something or things weren't working out the way I planned, he would say, if you want security, go to prison. You get three <laughs> meals a day and a roof over your head. I was like, wow, that's, that's uh, quite a good point there. And you know, life's all about uncertainty. And so lean into that uncertainty and enjoy that uncertainty. Yeah, <laughs> extraordinary advice. Yeah, well, he probably experienced he that was. firsthand. <laughs> mm -mm. What favourite film? Do you have one? 
Um, what do people do? That's, that's a tough one. Um, I think one that first comes to mind is, would probably be The Godfather. It's one that I've seen with my dad. I can't remember how many times now. I think we both know the film off by heart. Um, but also uh, another one, Into the Wild. Have you seen Into the Wild? Uh, where this uh, young boy leaves home in the States and he goes to live in the wild and survive in the wild. And it's a true story. Um, and he doesn't. Actually, no, I, I won't spoil don't, it. Don't no spoil spoilers. It. Don't no spoilers. Spoil it. Okay. But it is a great film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, experiences of living in the wild, um, I think from my Australian upbringing, that mm. was one thing that happened to us when we were about 10. We all got thrown out into the, they had a sort of program called Outward Bound, and you just wow. got thrown out into the bush, as it was, mm. and, and travelled around. And I remember from that learning a lot about myself mm. and also learning a lot about my my classmates. Wow. Stefan, if you could have a superpower, what would it be? If I could have a superpower? What a tough question. Um... Goodness me, that's a tough one, Jay. You put me on the spot here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, to be honest with you, I, I feel I already have a few superpowers. Wonderful. Uh, I'd like to say that humbly. Um, you know, just the power to listen to people and help them feel heard. Mm -hmm. It's something that's not happening anymore. It's a forgotten skill. And it, and as a teacher, I think you realize how important that is. Um, and people aren't being listened to. And I think that that's one of the biggest causes of a lot of problems um, that we have in society today. Well, we're not listening to the world either, are we? Exactly. We are sitting here and it's 35 degrees and rising. And all people are talking about are getting air conditioners. And I'm like, yeah. I've got a fan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I can't justify putting in air conditioning until I get solar panels. Yeah. Because if not, we're just going to keep polluting and polluting. Absolutely. <laughs> What's your other superpower? My other superpower, X-ray vision. Wonderful. Lucky you. <laughs> Lucky you. I'm well, completely blind. <laughs> I mean, helping, helping people see what they can't see for themselves. Mm. Yeah. So that's, that's really the work that I'm doing in, in the role of a, as a coach and advisor or mentor now. And, and for your friends. <laughs> yeah, that's a tricky one. That's a tricky one. <laughs> yeah, it does get tricky. Listen, when, when, we, were, when we talked about meeting and um, you, you describe yourself as a solopreneur, mm. what is the difference between a solopreneur and um, an entrepreneur? Yeah. Well, entre being in the middle, right? So entrepreneur is somebody who, who creates opportunities, businesses for, for a profit, right? They see a gap in the market, they find a solution and they bring it to, to the market. Solopreneur is essentially the same. It's very similar, but it's somebody who does that on their own. Um, and it doesn't have to be um, a startup. It, it's somebody who can also be a, a small business owner. Mm. Um, so I think entrepreneurs thrown around a lot another one of those buzzwords. Um, but there are actually various types of entrepreneur, solopreneur, innerpreneur, intrapreneur. There's a whole you know, range, range of different of roles them. there. Yeah. 
sounds fascinating and probably worth it. I should probably have studied that a little bit better. Um, yeah, there are no. kind of various, I found, I did look on the internet and there were various definitions and I just mm. couldn't. Um... Essentially, you're creating on your own. Um, and to be quite honest, that's something that, again, that's something I've always done, but it's not the way I wanted to do it. Mm. Even to this day, I'm always looking to collaborate create and work together with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally, it, it energizes me, bouncing ideas together, mm-hmm. um, you know, building something together, failing together, learning together. For me, that really um, gives me momentum um, to create something worth creating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I've struggled a lot over the years um, doing everything on my own, mm-hmm. um, you know, working things out. It just slows you down. Um, and so I really believe in the power of, of teams and, and working with other people. Yeah. So, yeah. I think the British community has a nice sense of, nice sense of, yeah, of team. Yeah. Okay, if you could switch lives with someone for one day, who would you choose? Switch lives with somebody for one day? Um, <clears throat> James Bond. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he's not real, but yeah, I, I kind of, I, I kind of get to. I <laughs> you know, is it is it really as glamorous as it looks, uh, saving the world in in that fashion? <laughs> um, probably not. Um, you know, somebody actually, perhaps come back to one of your other questions as well. Um, who inspires me? I think people like uh, Nelson Mandela, for example, um, either Mother Teresa people who stood for a cause that was much bigger than themselves. Um, people who had the ability to move masses. That's not what I'm trying to do, mm-hmm. but it's those people with a, a huge cause um, for humanity that really do inspire me. Mm. So I'm I guess that, that, I hope that answers your that question. It has answered the question, <laughs> wonderful. And we've got uh, two minutes to go. So I'm going to stop with the silly questions and and say thank you so much for um, for coming here and, and um, it's it's just been wonderful not to have to wear my headphones in the heat. I, I did it for you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Um, thank you, Tom. Thank you, Felicidad, for for joining us and other people who have popped in to say hello along the way. Um, Next week, I have two guests. So this will be another little challenge for me. Tom, you're you're smiling at this one. I'm going to have two guests. I've got Marcus Morgan and Karen Waterson. And if you don't know who they are, but I'm pretty sure you do, they are the voice of the Teaching English team. Marcus is the community manager. And Karen and Marcus... um, work for the British Council. Their full-time job is to manage courses. They run webinars, Facebook Lives, and never cease to amaze me, um, never cease to amaze me the way they can tackle any topic on teaching and, and deal with it. So join me next week for Marcus and Karen. We're going to go and have a swim now because it's boiling, and I hope you all have a lovely afternoon. Um, thanks again, Stefano, for, for coming. And I will see you all at the same time next week. Bye, Felicita. <laughs> thanks. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. 
Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.